This is a remote dating podcast where we share outlandish dating stories from people struggling with the new dating landscape. In season two, Be My Carry-On Baggage, we look at how the coronavirus pandemic is going to impact the future of dating. We'll get insights from digital nomads who have been navigating dating under extreme circumstances for years, as well as stories from people who have been locked down in love. Today, we're going to be discussing women's safety when dating and when on the road. We'll be speaking to a self-defense expert to get tips on how women can protect themselves and how people of all genders can help destroy the patriarchy. I cannot wait. This is season two, episode eight, Nomad's Land. I'm Ellie. And I'm Kayla. We're your hosts for Dating Abroad, a podcast about unconventional dating stories. This week, we're speaking with Elizabeth, a self-defense teacher, about how to stay safe while on dates and while on the road. We'll also have a discussion about how structural biases against women, trans people, non-binary folk, and people on the LGBTQ spectrum create more dangers for those groups and how we can work together to combat those issues. But before we get into the serious stuff, it's time for a video call named Desire. Oh my god, I can't believe how long it's been since we've done this and I actually have quite a lot of updates. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) So last time we spoke, it was lockdown in Portugal. I had just met a guy and been on a couple of dates with him before lockdown, but then we had to be separated for like two months. And I was really annoyed and I understood why everyone was so pissed off during the first lockdown when they (laughs) just met someone and then they couldn't see them. Mm -hmm. And so we stayed in touch virtually over those two months and it was all very lovely and we had virtual dates and we were texting like every day and we were sending sexy texts and normal texts and it all got really built up and then you know there was like kind of a countdown to when we were going to see each other again and yeah it it was a lot and and I was thinking at the time okay is there a danger that this is too much build up and that in real life it's not going to be the same as it's been virtually since Mm -hmm. we'd only actually met each other twice but somehow it felt like he was you know almost my boyfriend already right um turns out yes I did build it up too much (laughs) um so yeah we met up a couple of weeks ago now and And it was really lovely to see him and he's a really lovely guy, but it, it just wasn't there. And it was, it was so interesting, but actually that did happen. We had built it up so much and yeah, virtual relationships are just not the same as the real thing. Mm. It's such a danger, isn't it? Building it up. I've had stuff like that, not in the, well, I guess sort of in the pandemic, but mostly just in 
regular nomad life where you meet someone and you really hit it off and you keep in touch for a few months and you're planning the next time you can be in the same place together and then you get to that place together and it's just like ooh, no thank you I know and I thought that if that happened I'd be really disappointed because you mm-hmm. know I'd built it up into this big thing of like oh my god I'm gonna come out of lockdown and have a boyfriend mm-hmm. and um and it didn't work out and honestly I just I felt fine I felt like oh okay like we're just meant to be friends move on um and so that was kind of nice too that even though there was a build-up it didn't feel like this huge disappointment and also just to brag a little bit when I had the talk with him about just being friends Mm -hmm. he he complimented me on how well I handled that talk (laughs) He was like, you did it. You did a good job there. (laughs) Did he feel the same way or was he heartbroken? I don't think he was heartbroken. I think he could kind of like, he he saw it coming. Mm. Um, I mean, I think when it's not right, it's just not right. And you both know it, don't you? Well, usually, but like, sometimes I feel like one person thinks that you're going to get married next week and you're like, uh, I'm not feeling this at all. True. Yeah, it can go that, that way. But no, I think, I think, no, he, I think he saw it coming a bit and then yeah. he was very sweet and, and now we're friends. Well, we'll see, but that's <laughs> well, what we that's said. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next, next update. Next update is that after all of that, after the build-up and then the build-up not really resolving um (laughs) (laughs) I I, um I then if you remember like before I before I met that this guy I was Mm -hmm. having a bit of a casual thing with another guy a sexy surfer Mm-hmm. and so I hadn't seen him for a while also because it was locked down and also because I thought this other thing was gonna possibly turn into something mm-hmm. but then I did see him and it was really fun <laughs> <laughs> so that's still a very very casual thing but mm-hmm. um but it, it's just it's nice to get back into that and have some chemistry with someone and remember how fun that can be and mm-hmm. now I'm really in a place where I just want to enjoy that and <laughs> um not so bothered about the whole relationship thing and this may be TMI but I spoke to my therapist about it mm-hmm. and she said that she felt like um this this summer was a time of exploration for me mm-hmm. I like yeah. that yeah Yeah, I feel like sometimes you just need something that's more casual because you're going through other stuff in your life. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we've talked about this, like, you know, a year ago, we both said that we're looking for a relationship, but, like, no shade on people, on the men who aren't, just, like, be honest about it. Um, Yeah. Because I feel like there are a lot of benefits to exploring casual things and getting to like try try out new stuff exactly and yeah if a relationship came along of course (laughs) I would be open to it but Mm -hmm. if it doesn't that would also be fine yeah I like that yeah it's yeah feels like a good place to be in Mm -hmm. 
So how about you? I mean, I don't really have any other updates. The last time we spoke, which was just before we did our live episode, I said that my brother was setting me up on a virtual date uh, and we had the Mm -hmm. date uh, and yeah, nothing came of it. He was a really nice guy. We had a nice chat. Uh, I think it was kind of clear to both of us as we were talking that like it just wasn't going to be a good lifestyle match. But yeah, I know it was a nice chat and Mm. neither of us reached out again after that chat. (laughs) I love a good mutual ghosting. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I am still just enjoying single life and being able to focus on other stuff. I am thinking about getting back into the game at some point soon, but I don't know. COVID is still so bad here where I am. But Mm. like, I kind of sometimes think about sliding into people's DMs, but I'm not on social media anymore. So it's going to be like trying to like slide into their emails or something. (laughs) Or Is that like, a thing? Or oh, their LinkedIn? No, that's too creepy. I'm not on LinkedIn either. The, I am on YouTube, so I don't know if you. I don't know if there are DMs on YouTube. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you could. Yeah, this could be a whole new thing that you I start investigate it. Right? Yeah, YouTube DMs, email DMs. I don't know. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it. Thinking about reactivating my OK Cupid. Um because what I do like about OkCupid is that like there are a lot of filters you can have a longer profile there's a lot of like value things that you can filter for uh, Mm -hmm. and you can swipe internationally for free so it's like could almost be a nomad dating app yeah um so I'm thinking about it but I also just like am trying to remember all the reasons that I don't want to be on the apps Mm, I mean yeah we've talked about those reasons a lot haven't we yeah we've talked about those reasons a lot none of those reasons have changed just like time has passed and you know the apps is the most convenient way to like go on a date I don't know that it's the most convenient way to like find a partner so I don't know maybe maybe emailing my my, uh, online crushes is gonna be the way who can know I mean I think it's worth a try I, I want to hear more about that for sure. Okay, well maybe I'll have to do it for research purposes for the next episode. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, without further ado, it's time for our main segment, Gone with the Wi-Fi. We introduced her earlier and now she's here. Elizabeth Miner is a self-defense expert that Kayla and I met uh, at the 7 in 7 conference in New Zealand in 2019 so about 18 months ago now which is crazy to think and she gave a self-defense class uh the morning after the (laughs) seven and seven closing party (laughs) so we were all a little bit hungover when we went to the class but still the lessons that she taught us like for me at least, have stuck in my mind so strongly ever since then. So welcome, Elizabeth. It's so nice to have you. Well, thank you very much. And I'm so glad to know that the lessons have stuck because that was not prime uh, timing for for this class. But, you know, I'm glad it it made it through. Definitely. So do you want to start just by telling us a little bit about yourself and yeah, what you do and how you got into the self-defense work that you do? Sure. Um, what I, I am a digital nomad. Uh, I'm a solo female traveler. So 
I, before I went off and, and started roaming the world on my own, I thought it was important for myself to get a little self-defense training. Um, I just thought that that was a really smart move for me to do. So I, I did take some uh, Krav Maga classes, which is a, which is a really intense um, just self-defense methodology that is used by um, all sorts of military personnel. So it's really intense. Um, one of the things I walked away from that was, is I only had about a month and a half of training there. And all the moves were so complex. And I'm like a teenage boy at my first dance. So coordination of all that kind of <laughs> multiple moves and all this and twist and turn and what have you just didn't come naturally to me. So so I was a little unnerved that I knew the concepts, uh, but I, I wasn't quite sure that I could implement them during a, a real situation. And so, you know, it was something that stuck in my mind and I was continuing to look for other options for furthering my education. And I came across this group called empowerment self-defense and um, they're run by their parent organization El Halav in uh, Israel and they were offering training for people to give the class and so they um, they were somebody that I I pretty much stalked until the class <laughs> was open and um, and then as soon as it was open I jumped on the opportunity to get trained uh, so that I could both have the training for myself but that I could also bring it forward to all the other people that I saw on the road that really um, could benefit from it. What were some of the things that you saw from people on the road? Like what were some of the mistakes they were making and why were you sort of so convinced that they really needed this sort of help? Well, you know, I hesitate with the term mistake um, solely because I'm, I'm just particular about words just because here's the thing if you're still walking around this earth today it, it's not a mistake you've made it right so mm. I don't want anybody to like re you know re-injure themselves with the oh I knew I should have done it better right but um but there's a lot of things that we can prevent there's a lot of things that um we set ourselves up with, for and you know I haven't spoken to a single person, myself included, that hasn't had one of those nights that in the morning we went, wow, I was lucky. That wasn't my best move, right? Mm -hmm. So almost everybody has at least one of those stories. But I happen to be, as a, as a mother, because I'm a little bit of an older nomad, watching people around me that were much younger than me and and. I was in a position to notice people not knowing where they were or having too much to drink and not knowing who their safe person was, uh, leaving a group of people that they came with and leaving with somebody that they hadn't come with. Um, those types of things that whether you're, a, whether you're abroad or in your home country, those are some basic things that when you're out and about, you just need to be aware of both as a female but especially as a traveler yeah that is so true and have you I know you work a lot with nomads and, and travelers but I'm curious if this is a lot of 
of random encounters. Like, as you said, I think, you know, we've kind of all had a night where you have a few too many drinks and you don't really know anybody and, and you end up in a not great situation. Have you also spoken with or worked with people who it is somebody that they know and it is somebody that they arranged to meet to go on a date or perhaps uh, just someone that they're in a relationship with and have had to get out of a hard situation that way and like would would your teaching would what you recommend differ if, if it is somebody that you know so absolutely and um, and unfortunately so many incidents happen by people we do know mm-hmm. um, so that is a very critical point to to make so thank you for making that and yes what I what I work with people on is boundary setting and that is true in a committed long, long-term relationship and a Tinder date. You know, it's, it's true in a friend circumstance and a romantic circumstance. So in any way that you can find boundaries, find ways to say, you know what, that's not okay for me. Um, and as we're coming out of this COVID, even the whole business of, you know, I come from the U.S., our standard greeting is a handshake. Um, or for me, it's a hug. And people are not comfortable with touch right now, both for their own personal circumstances with safety and COVID and all of that. But also people are now a lot more sensitive. We spent 13 months all cooped up in our own homes and the idea of somebody you know, embracing them may not be comfortable anymore. And so it's got to be, you have to be able to recognize what your boundaries are and then find some language and practice giving your boundaries. And if somebody comes up to you in a greeting situation, you can either put your body language in a way that identifies what your greeting is going to be. If you're going to do a little bow, or if you're going to be, you know, kind of do a head nod or an elbow bump or a high five or whatever, you'll have your language, your body language set up to receive or to provide that to avoid some of the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it also helps so that you're not like, no, 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 I don't do that. You know, so because that just startles everybody and everybody feels like a jerk and then nothing is good. Right. So there's ways to do it, but it takes some practice. It takes knowing what you're OK with. And then setting that boundary clearly so other people can receive it and um, acknowledge it. Mm, yeah, that's a great, great point. And as you mentioned with COVID, and we've talked about quite a lot on this podcast, that actually COVID has made us talk about boundaries more at an earlier stage of dating because we have to because of the pandemic so maybe that could almost be a positive thing that comes out of it that we've had maybe a bit more practice of talking about our boundaries and thinking about what they are and articulating them I'm not sure yeah yeah I think you're gonna find that true yeah, and I was remembering Elizabeth, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but in the workshop we did, I, I think you were saying, you know, you a lot of people think of self-defense as the actual fighting, but I think what you were saying is that you want to try to avoid getting to the place where you do have to fight, uh, first with words and with body language. Um, and yeah, as Ellie Absolutely. was saying, we, we talked 
about this earlier on and when we you know I was meeting a few people last summer for a date and before we even met I was asking you know like who are you seeing who's in your bubble um and also you know this is a socially distant date and I'm not comfortable with not being socially distant up front um mm. there was mixed results on if people respected that once we were once we were actually there in person but yeah I was wondering if you had any thoughts or tips on what setting those boundaries look like I feel like we don't get a lot of training and in that I know when I was a teen and did self-defense classes it was always just the physical part yeah and I think that that is such a critical part and congratulations and good for you for setting the expectation up front you know part of the um, training that we did also was okay can you do something besides a, you know, knee to the groin to kind of back people off, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's that, you know, if you're being attacked, the knee to the groin is absolutely, completely uh, a perfect response. However, Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, articulated that, look, I want this to be a socially distant state, and then they start, you know, encroaching on your boundary, you know, then it's a matter of what do I have between, hey, I've already said this and a knee to the groin that I can use? What's in my, you know, backpack that I can pull out at this time? And so a lot of times, you know, especially in a new dating situation, people just get excited, right? And so sometimes just a gentle reminder and say, you know, hey, I did talk to you about the fact that I really need this to be socially distanced. I really need you to respect that. Um, If that's not comfortable for you, that's okay, but I'm going to have to end this, you know, and, and, you know, and that's not saying you're bad and you're wrong. It's just saying, you know, this is just how it's got to be for me. And if it can't be that, that's all good and well, but I need to leave because your responsibility is for you. Yeah. And it's kind of a good way we, We've talked about this as well of you know separating the wheat from the chaff and if <laughs> if someone can't deal with those sorts of boundaries they're probably not a person that you want in your life well it's certainly a, an indicator of if they can't respect this simple boundary um is this a flag and and i would encourage you to to be aware that wow, this is somebody who doesn't respect boundaries. This might (laughs) or might not be somebody I want to get into a further relationship with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I really, I really like that wording of, you know, if you can't, if you're not okay with this boundary, I've said, then that's fine, but I'm going to leave because I do think that, you know, as women dating men, so many men right now are afraid of being rapists and sexual assaulters and, for some reason are confused about where that line is. Um, Mm. And so I feel like that's a really just good way to nudge and say, Hey, you're not respecting my boundaries. I'm not accusing of you of anything beyond that. Um, But yes, if you, it's just, yeah, it sounds very clear to me. If you don't respect this boundary, then I'm out and you can do with it what you will. Yeah. And I think it's really important because the other thing we want to allow for is ego in this situation now you do not have to coddle somebody else's ego for your own safety Mm -hmm. and your boundary thing however um giving people an opportunity to save face a little bit is is a, a nice gentle way to really get your point across now if they don't hear that 
you know, even, even, and I don't remember if I did it in this class, but even a, a just a little, um, a, a small little brush of the shin with your foot is, is really an eye opener and say, hey, I said, let's stop. Like, I, I meant what I said. And no means no. No doesn't mean, well, until I say yes, no means no. Like, boom. And so again, it doesn't have to be a knee to the crotch, but a little swift little nudge on the shin is going to get their attention and be like, oh, okay, okay, uh, I'm sorry, or, or wow, what a bitch, and then they walk away. Either one, <laughs> you got your boundary map, you know, and to a certain extent, you know, I, I'm always going for the, the softer way to get your boundaries met. However, yeah. I will protect my boundaries, period. And yeah. however I need to communicate that with you, I will do so. Now, it would be it would behoove you to take it on the first comment um, and it would make both of us that much more comfortable. But if you don't, I will remind you. And if you don't from there, I will stop you. And that's just going to be the end of our, not only this conversation, but possibly any further conversations because I can't be with somebody who can't respect my boundary, not as a friend, not as a business partner and not as a lover. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And now just to tie it back to the nomad life a bit, I'm sure that you guys get this as well, but I always get, oh my gosh, you travel alone as a woman, you're so brave. Um, And my response is usually something along the lines of, you know, traveling alone as a woman is no more dangerous than being anywhere as Mm -hmm. a woman. So yeah, Elizabeth, I was was curious if you think that is true. And then um, Ellie and I had also discussed a little bit the... um, the idea that, you know, we live in this reality where there are a lot of places that are, are not safe for women and we do have to enforce these boundaries and, and protect ourselves. Um, and that's the reality of the world we live in. But also, is there anything broader we can doing, any bigger boundary setting I guess we can be doing as a group um, against a lot of these systemic challenges um, a lot coming from the patriarchy, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are so many men who cross a boundary and be like, oh, I thought you were just like playing hard to get or like women are supposed to act that way. Um, is there anything we can do, you know, as a group to address these broader issues that cause um, so many places to be unsafe for women? Well, I think that, you know, there is a, a really good point that you made is that, you know, as women, we have different um, we have different situations in everything from the office place to the parking garage and every place in between that have different kind of rules or expectations. And as women, um, especially in the U.S. culture, um, and I, I really believe in the U.K. culture, and there's probably many others, that we are taught to be be nice. Mm. Don't upset other people, right? Be be sweet and be kind and so that's been misinterpreted um being nice does not mean not having a backbone being nice does not mean not having a boundary um and again you can set a boundary in very kind language um so i think that that's part of what we can do as as a um as a 
really as a force as just women as in general, but also in all the people that support us that, hey, being nice does not mean not being taken advantage of. Those are two different things. So we need to redefine what it means to be a woman. I think we need to be redefine what is okay for a woman to do. And, you know, I was, it was fascinating to me, a gentleman that I um, have met in the course of my um, conferences called Jeff Harry was talking about the term resting bitch face. Mm. And his commentary was, there's no equivalent for men. And why is it that women can't be lost in thought or, or contemplating something or just not being pleasant to be viewed by somebody? Why is that called a resting bitch face? Why can't they just be thinking? Or <laughs> why true. can't you just be reading? Why is that a bitch face, right? So yep. it's that thought, it's that, and, and honestly, I'm a woman and it never occurred to me, right? <laughs> so there's some things there, like as a society, we got to remember what we're saying and what we're saying is okay, right? And so some of it is language-based. I think we as a, as a culture, as a, as a humanitarian group need to change some language and to change some thought process. But also, um, and, and Ellie, you and I talked about this in the context of the article the other day, I think men have to understand some of what they do is, is not, um, it's not gentlemanly, it's not, kind and and it could be misconstrued and and to have somebody staring at you and then just say oh well I just think you're beautiful is one thing but to have somebody staring at you and you're like dude why are you staring at me like that's just weird you know and, and oh oh I just wanted to tell you you're beautiful and then I'm like Ooh, I don't, yeah, you know it's just awkward right so and and I don't know there's not many women that just go up to a guy and say, Hey, I just wanted you to know you're beautiful. Hey, baby, I think you're beautiful. Like, we yeah. just don't do that generally. Um, and, you know, depending on the culture you're in, for some, it is, it is very complimentary, technically, but we need to redefine that. And, you know, I think, again, it's a lot of language. Yeah, I, I totally agree that a lot of it's about language and that a lot of the language that is used to describe, even to describe this problem, it's putting the responsibility on women rather than men. It's, you know, it's violence against women. It's not men committing violence. And mm -hmm. so are there sort of just ways that we in our general lives can talk about it differently? And could that make any sort of difference it absolutely can and I really love the fact that you bring up the fact that we usually we usually talk about violence against women or violence against blacks or violence against Asians instead of humanity oppressing and on mm. these types of things I think that um, again language is, is huge and I am a big fan of talking about survivors of domestic violence or survivors of situations rather than victims. Mm -hmm. um, the more we look at victims and perpetrators, the more we perpetuate that, that sub subservient or the, or the, you know, the, 
the violence, right? Instead mm -hmm. of, and, and a while back, somebody brought to my attention that instead of talking about the war on drugs or the war on cancer or the war on, why don't we talk about sustainability of, you know, a living wage or, you know, we don't fight against poverty. We fight for a mm. living wage. Um, and I think actually it was Simon Sinek, now that I'm talking about it, that was talking about the way we phrase things and why are we putting the victims up front versus putting the solution up front. And, you know, Ali, when you talk about, you know, why do we not talk about the perpetrators of these violence? And, and it's not just men who are perpetrating violence against women. There are women perpetrating mm. violence against women. Um, and, you know, and, and just look at our, our trans community. Um, there are a lot of, of, women perpetrating violence against trans women and mm. and that's got to stop um, and we've got to put it put more humanity up front so i think that part of what we can do is is you know really look at solutions versus the problem um, obviously with the problem being the root source but what are we moving towards what are we we are moving towards a society where human life is valued and I don't care what kind of human you are, but human life needs to be valued. And so how can we move towards all lives being valued equally and, and reverently? How can we move towards that? And I think changing that conversation, I think, benefits all of the populations that are being singled out. That's, that's really my thought on that. Yeah, I think that that language is so important because it does it does tell you who the focus is on, who needs, if you say violence against women and there are these faceless perpetrators of that, the onus is on the women or the Asians or the Black people to end that. Whereas if you reframe it, then it's like, well, the onus is actually on us as a whole. Language really does frame how we see a problem and who we see holding responsibility for that problem. I mean, I think that we have covered a lot there, um, unless, Elizabeth, there were any sort of final thoughts that you had? No, I think that, you know, I think that this is such a great topic. I think that, you know, the awareness is, is really important for people to remember that we're responsible for ourselves and, and others. And what we do, whether we're protecting ourselves, whether we're talking about you know, how our brothers and, and fathers and uncles and cousins can help women feel safe, whether we're actually doing things to step into our own boundary setting and being clear and communicating, no matter what area we're in there, I think the conversation has to start. And I, I commend you both for bringing this you know, forward to a wider audience, because that's where the conversation starts. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and wisdom on this topic. It's so great to, to have this conversation. That was such a great conversation with Elizabeth. And I like how she kind of talked about that the, the patriarchy gets upheld in a lot of different ways. So I think when often we talk about smashing the patriarchy uh, in a lot of people's minds, that's, you know, take down the men and I mean mm. that's part of it uh, <laughs> but people of, of all genders are holding up the patriarchy 
in different ways. And, you know, if you, if you grow up in the system and you see that this is the way to get powers by playing into the system, um, that can just each easily perpetuate itself, um, no matter what gender you are. So I think, yeah, it's so important when we, we talk about these issues and how to stop violence against women and other groups of people that we're talking about these systems that are in place that make people vie for a small amount of power and give some people a leg up because they're deemed more worthy based on gender or race from the start in the society that they're born into. Yeah, and I think like the, yeah, you're right. And that the responsibility does kind of fall on all of us to to realize, you know, where we're upholding it, even if we sort of would like to think that we're not, mm-hmm. but you know, in some ways it's so ingrained, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that it's also worth noting that you can be both a victim and an upholder. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, even like thinking about The Handmaid's Tale, which I heard the season four trailer just dropped. I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in that storyline, there are a lot of women who are upholding this harmful system and they also are victims of this harmful system. And it's not, it doesn't really redeem them as, yeah. as characters, but it is, it is, you know, interesting to watch how both of those things can be true at once. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was such a good chat with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. I hope that we can do one of her workshops again soon in person yeah me too all right well that brings us to our final segment the scarlet text so it's my turn to give a recommendation this week and tying in with both my personal exploration and the themes we've been talking (laughs) about today Mm -hmm. um my recommendation is a book called Insatiable. It's about, it's a novel, it's by a British author called Daisy Buchanan and it's about a, I think she's 20 something woman in London and it's kind of about her sexual adventures um, but also touches on issues of assault as you were talking about Kayla that it is often done by people that you actually know so um so it's it's an easy read and it's fun and it's erotic but it also um it also covers some of the issues that we talked about today so I I feel like it fits with this episode awesome I can't wait to read it when you first said that I was thinking about the Netflix series Insatiable which is definitely not about that and it's uh... <laughs> really wild romp uh but this sounds really good i'm gonna check it out yeah i've i've already read it for the second time <laughs> well that's the best recommendation <laughs> there is Rereading. so um next week we will actually be wrapping up season two so mm. tune in for our thoughts on how the pandemic has shaped the future of dating it's just going to be us two shooting the shit so Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. And if you have a wild pandemic or nomadic or just other crazy dating story, you can send us an email to datingbarnomads at gmail.com and maybe we'll be discussing that next week. 
And we are both still up for being set up on a virtual date. Me especially, as I mentioned, I don't have social media. It's hard to slide into people's DMs. So yeah, you can definitely <laughs> do that if you want. And we may or may not include clips of it for our patrons. Mm. Um, you can also become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash dating abroad, where our tiers are named just as wittily as our segments. Benefits start from just $1 a month and range from bonus content to racy to air to monthly soirees and a coaching call with one of us about digital nomad life. We have recently acquired a new patron, so we now have eight of them. And as has become our tradition, here's our limerick about them with one extra line. There once was a girl from Toronto who became our patron pronto. She was joined by a nomad who is definitely not a bromad. And we'll all be a family like the Sopranos. Then came a girl called Kiwi, who listens to our podcast in Germany. She was joined by a Brit with an eco-cleaning kit and a Swede who's a big fan of Bali. Next came a lovely Canuck, who met her beau underground by a truck. In came an unsettled man, the first male of our clan, and a writer bumbling through the muck. All right, well, we will continue writing this patron the more... Not this patron, we'll continue <laughs> this limerick the more patrons we get. Uh, so yeah, you can join our Patreon now if you'd like. Our wonderful music is by Lee Trung. You can visit her website at leetrung.bandcamp.com. Our super cute logo is by Samina, who's on Instagram at Samina Scribbles. We're also on Instagram, dating underscore a underscore broad. And you can find us on Facebook, Dating Abroad Nomads. Although we don't really use the Facebook, I would recommend finding us on Instagram. Okay. Uh, sorry. Um, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Toodle-hoo.